Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome back in on a Monday. It's the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. And I've got something special for you. It's a guy that um, I've known for a while, and uh, you've actually heard him on this show before. His name is Ben Mintz. He's with uh, ESPN 104.5 there in Baton Rouge. Uh, Ole Miss guy. He's got uh, such an interesting story into getting into sports media and stuff like that that you, you probably heard before. Former professional poker player, now does sports radio in Baton Rouge. He's got a gambling background. He's a really all-around good guy. And also, somebody that you probably saw, if you're on Twitter this weekend, go viral for celebrating uh, in his living room the uh, Ole Miss win over Kentucky. Lane Kiffin tweeted it. Uh, Barstool covered it. It's going to be on the SEC Network today. All-around good dude went viral. Uh, had to have him on the show uh, to recap the game and get his thoughts. And he brings the energy like he always does. It's a really fun interview and I'm glad I got to do this for you uh, on a Monday and very thankful for his time. So we talked for a little over a half hour. We touch on, you know, the game and, you know, his reaction in the video and what he thinks about Lane Kiffin and if he fits at Ole Miss and all that good stuff. And we get into a little bit of Alabama talk upcoming for this Saturday. little look around the SEC, talk some Saints there at the end. Uh, really good stuff from Ben. He's just an all-around good dude and uh, really glad to have him on the show today. But before we get into the interview, of course, I want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue right there in Oxford. Uh, we got a tropical storm coming uh, this weekend, so you better go buy LBs this week. Get one of their daily lunch specials as well. Pre-prepare for the weekend just in case you got to weather uh, a storm. Hopefully it'll be out by Saturday, but uh, we shall see. Anyway, go buy, see Greg, tell him we sent you. Get one of their daily lunch specials or... Get something for Behind the Grill. It's the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. That's LB's right there in Oxford. So here's Ben Mintz again of ESPN 104.5 in Baton Rouge talking Kiffin, Ole Miss, Winover, Kentucky, and all of that good stuff. Here we go. All right, now we welcome on a guy you've heard before if you listen to this podcast every day, Ben Mintz from 104.5 ESPN in Baton Rouge and the product of a viral video after Ole Miss beat Kentucky on Saturday. So, Ben, first of all, just checking in, how are you doing since the last time we've been on? Man, I'm doing great. I've worked for – I can't say enough how much fun it's been to get hired by ESPN Baton Rouge. Uh, I've been down here since early July. Uh, I'm the co-host of Jimmy Ott's Game Time. We're Monday through Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m., and then we're, we're Friday and Sunday, 10 to noon, and we're kind of the NFL pregame show down here. Uh, it's growing. It's doing well. And uh, I got to say, it's been a crazy weekend since that video, uh, since Barstools and Lane Kiffin retweeted that video. I, I got a little fired up. And <laughs> I, I got to say, Rebel fans, though, look, we've had nothing to cheer about since that A&M game where Shea Patterson came off the bench and beat A&M in 2016 when there was some hope still. And 17 through 19, I mean, just it, it's, it's felt rudderless with the NCAA stuff. and Just there wasn't a lot of confidence. And there's fan apathy. And I felt like Four years of that frustration came out, uh, and and luckily, uh, I guess, my digital producer, Playboy Marty, caught it. And, uh, yeah, I just was really, really fired up, and I'm so excited about this Kiffin era. It's funny you mentioned that because I, I 
you weren't the only one that reacted in that way. And it's, I felt like that win Saturday for Ole Miss was validation. And like, like you in, in that video, you're yelling Kiffin and, and the group message I'm in. Everybody's just blowing up because it's been years since, at least from my vantage point, that Ole Miss fans have felt like their program has real purpose and direction. And it, even though, I mean, Kiffin gets hired and everybody's excited about Lane Kiffin and thinks he's going to be good, but that's all you have right now is you think he's going to be good. And then, you know, you play Florida and you lose the game, but you look pretty good doing it. And Saturday, it looked to me like that was validation for everything Ole Miss fans have been through for the last few years and everything you thought you knew about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, finally you you got to see something tangible, and that's why you saw such a reaction from you and Ole Miss fans just like you. That win felt different than a lot of wins you've had over the last few years because of everything I just mentioned, right? Yeah, just hope is a wonderful thing. And even when Ole Miss, remember Ole Miss had that kind of a wild win at Kentucky when DK Metcalf caught that touchdown a couple of years ago, and the final score was almost similar but it felt nothing like this because, no, no offense to Matt Luke, but just everything felt rudderless. There was so much fan apathy. It was all, you know, you just didn't feel like the program was headed anywhere positive. And you see this Kiffin team. The best Ole Miss experience for me is when Ole Miss is a wild, fun underdog. You know, Ole Miss has always struggled when they expect when they build big expectations. and But when they're a fun, wild underdog like they are right now and, you know, play off the rails in a crazy, wild style, it just – it, it fits, and I think everybody sees that. It, and that's the thing, man. It, it does fit. It, hey, so let's get into that right now. So, so the video, if you haven't seen it, it's been tweeted by basically everybody. It's Ben Mintz in his living room just losing his mind after Old Miss beats Kentucky. Uh, it, like he said, it was on Barstool. Uh, apparently it's going to be on the SEC Network here soon. It, it went everywhere, all over the place. Um, but the, the Lane Kiffin itself. He fits at Ole Miss. Everything about him. I think it was Neil McCready that wrote a column after the game, and he's exactly right. Lane Kiffin basically is everything that you think Ole Miss is. You know what I mean? It's can be successful, but a, but a little edgy. You know, has has some sketchy stuff go on <laughs> in their recent past. I mean, everything about Lane Kiffin, the swagger, the attitude, the it just fits so well for Ole Miss, especially right now. Yeah, and he also Kiffin gets it. And I've heard him say in interviews, look, we're at Ole Miss. We're not, you know, we've got to figure out our own unique, different identity. We're not going to be Alabama. We're not going to be LSU. we got to be ourselves and just be different. And I love that because we're not going to have all the five-star recruits those guys have. So we need to have a wild, fun, wide-open offense. And we saw, you know, Hugh Freeze did a lot of that. You know, obviously Freeze was pulling some incredible recruits as well. But, you know, that off-the-rails up to all fits us. And then you also just got to say – you know, after what John Rice Plumley led the SEC in rushing last year, everybody thought Matt Corral was going to, you know, transfer and wouldn't have blamed him. And Kiffin convinced him to stay or Corral decided to stay. And you look at his performance through the first two weeks. I mean, him and Kyle Trask, easily the best quarterbacks in the SEC so far. Yeah, he's, uh, what is he, number one in the nation in QBR, number three in passer rating, something like that. Uh, so he's had a really good start. And um, I don't remember our conversation about the quarterback situation going into the season. You had most people talk, you know, it, it should be Plumley or it should be Corral, and there's just kind of this line in the sand. But now that you've seen Matt Corral in action, this is what 
we always should have thought he was capable of, right? I mean, he showed signs of this the whole time. Now you add in competence, you get him playing at a high level because this is the player he was always supposed to be. Yeah, certainly. And just the way he can stretch the field vertically. Because, look, I thought Plumlee, I'll admit it, I thought Plumlee was going to be the guy just because how can you keep an athlete like that off the field? But, man, which, the, the Ole Miss takes a lot of deep shots, though, man. They're really putting stress on defenses, sideline to sideline, 20, 30, 40-yard chunk plays. And that's what Corral's arm can do for you that Plumlee can't. And then you look at the skill position talent. Look, Elijah Moore, Kenny Yaboa, the tipple tight end transfer. You still got Plumlee kind of in the Taysom Hill role, Jerry and Ely, Connor. I mean, Ole Miss has got some elite talent in the skill positions right now, and so they're making the most of it. How do you uh, how do you like or, or dislike? How do you think they're using John Rice Plumley? I got asked this on uh, my Sunday show yesterday. Like, am I okay? It was the question. Am I okay with how Ole Miss uses him? So I'll ask you the same question. What do you think about the way that Kiffin has had to use him so far? I think in part you haven't seen him as much because most of the time they're playing from behind. And in order to catch up quickly, you got to throw the football. But how do you what do you make of their usage of Plumley right now? Well, look, they hadn't used him maybe as much as people thought, but how do you take Matt Corral? You know, you can't really take Corral off the field when he's that hot and just learning this offense and getting a rhythm. So you kind of have to use Plumlee in that Taysom Hill Saints role where, you know, you, you just find creative ways to get him the ball. I'm fine with it. And, you know, you instinctually you'd worry, all oh, this guy might transfer, but I don't think so. He plays baseball. He's a Mississippi dude. I mean, Plumlee seems like a good guy that's embracing the team role. And I think they'll find more and more ways to get him the ball as the season goes on. But, you know, you can't just the, – the running him and corral in and out thing, I'm not a fan of because quarter because offense is all about getting in a rhythm and timing. And when you're constantly switching quarterbacks, that, that that's very difficult. Yeah, so how would you – if you were Lane Kiffin, how would you use him moving forward? Because I agree with you. I said it yesterday that the, the biggest problem I have with – trying to factor in Plumlee into the offense is, number one, if you put him in at quarterback, like you just said, that means you take out Matt Corral, and he was 24 of 29 on Saturday for 320, four touchdowns against what is going to be, people will see it, a really good Kentucky defense. I mean, yeah, they're not going to win eight games or anything like that, but that's a solid Kentucky team that he was that good against. Put Plumlee at quarterback, that means you take that production out, and if you put him in the slot, that means Elijah Moore doesn't get a touch. If you put him at running back, that means Jerry Neely doesn't get a touch. So it's hard to figure out exactly how you should factor him in because taking touches away from Corral at quarterback or Elijah Moore in the slot or Ely in the backfield, I, I think it's kind of a mistake right now. Yeah, and look, you just mentioned that Kentucky does have a pretty good defense, and I know Florida may not have the unit they usually have because they lost their top two pass rushers, and C.J. Henderson, the corner, was a first-round pick, but I mean, we're talking about Florida and Kentucky. We're not talking about UL Monroe or, you know, Northwestern State or directional games where we've seen Ole Miss, you know, put up crazy numbers. I mean, these are legitimate SEC opponents. And, you know, obviously what they're doing is working. The one thing they could do maybe with John Rice Plumley is, you know, I don't know how good he is in the receiving game, but maybe, you know, he could if he could somehow get him to catch some passes like Taysom Hill does for the Saints, because the one spot Ole Miss is a little weak is a depth of wide receiver behind Elijah Moore. I'm not saying Plumlee's a receiver, but maybe they could use another target in the passing game somehow. Yeah, speaking of receivers, you did get to see one, though, uh, on Saturday. I made the comparison on Twitter. I think I did it on this podcast as well after the game that um, Jonathan Mingo looks uh, a whole lot like a couple of other guys that wore number one and played wide receiver at Ole Miss lately. 
Yeah, look, he's he's a he's at the athleticism is not a question. You look at the body type, uh, big recruit. People just kind of been waiting for him to fulfill his pot- potential. Certainly, his chance has come right now in this offense, and you know, was glad to see him make some plays on Saturday. Hopefully, he can build on it going forward, especially as Elijah Moore gets more and more attention. Yeah, and then the other side of the ball, though. I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about how they struggled on defense. What What is it in your eyes? Because I see a team that, in a lot of spots, just does not have the quality talent to be a good defense at this level. A lot of people, especially my Twitter mentions, have told me that um, it's the scheme, that it's the play calling. I don't see what they see, but what what do you see in this? I, I look, I, I see. I, I don't. I, I don't think it's the play calling either. I, I'm willing to give. I know it's only a couple games in, but I'm willing to give DJ Durkin a long look. You know, just based on what he did at Stanford, Michigan. You know, I think he knows what he's doing. My issue is this: Ole Miss is going at such a frenetic pace on offense, and needs to. This this defense is ravaged by the NCAA sanctions, especially with depth on the D line. When you're playing at such an up-tempo offense, they don't have the depth to sustain anything for four quarters. And if that's going to take a couple of years of recruiting, just having the eight, nine guys you can rotate uh, on the D-line. And it is amazing that they won this game allowing almost 400 yards rushing to Kentucky because that's uh, certainly you don't see teams run the ball 400 yards and lose often. But I just think it's a, it's a lack of depth. And, uh, you know, the, the this is where the NCAA sanctions from the last few years are hitting the hardest. Uh, you know, there aren't really not a ton of elite talent. There isn't a lot of depth. It's just a tough situation. I mean, it's an old Bear Bryant quote. You know, it's not always the X's and O's. It's the Jimmy's and Joe's. And I just think Ole Miss, you know, is going to have to build the recruiting there. What did you what was your reaction when Asim Rose uh, was holding up the deuces 25 yards out of the end zone and got tackled from behind and then fumbled two plays later? I, I laugh pretty hard. We just see this uh, <laughs> all the time. The, the fumble part was the even funnier part. It's just. Man, you think through the years, I mean, there have been so many bonehead gifts going back to Deshaun Jackson, obviously, is one of the most famous. But we've seen this stuff happen so many times. You think they'd be coached to just, just get in the end zone and then celebrate. Uh, hilarious and ironic. And I don't know if you saw that Tyree Kill, uh, who, who d- d- throws up the deuces and started all that, tweeted out. He was like, no bueno doing that with the deuces, which I thought was funny. And didn't that happen twice this past weekend, too? I, I don't remember the other game, but didn't another guy – it was – whoever played Army, and I don't remember who played Army, but um, Abilene Christian, right? The guy guy does the same thing. On Saturday, holds up the deuces, gets tackled from behind. They also they, I like that they photoshopped the, the – the, I'm sure you saw the Photoshop thing where it was the Kentucky guy throwing up the two with the zero bot for their 0-2 record. I thought that was funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, all, it's all over Twitter. <laughs> oh, man, that's really good. So um, Ole Miss does get the win over Kentucky. And, uh, again, that, that video is so funny. I, um, I'll say this. Ole Miss people need more of that. or The Ole Miss fan base needs more of people like you. Because, I mean, famously, Vaughn Hemingway is not exactly an intimidating atmosphere. And the stadium, the way it's built, doesn't exactly help. But if all 60,000 people reacted to the game the way you did, it would be a far more intimidating environment to play. Ole Miss needs more people like that. So I'm glad that video went viral so Ole Miss fans can see that it's not uncool to not get excited about your team plan. I, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I, I've had a long history with Oxford. I ended up spending over a decade there. 
And uh, so I'm very, very passionate old Miss guy. I actually went back when I was 31 years old to finish my finance degree during the 14 or 15 years and was at both Bama games. And the one in Tuscaloosa, I got way rowdier than that. I remember <laughs> I, it was the, that the one, the only the crazy game almost won in Tuscaloosa, like 43, 37 or whatever. So that game started at 8.15 p.m., and it lasted forever. I mean, we walked out of the stadium at like 1.30 a.m. Well, Bama, was made, Bama made their second comeback like kind of mid-fourth quarter, and all our fans – I was in the Ole Miss section, and all our fans were kind of being quiet. And I just was like, oh, hell no. And I literally was running through the aisles in our section saying, we haven't won here since 1988. Y'all are going to go soft and be quiet right now. We're about to beat the number one team in the country, dude. I was just going nuts Good. after midnight in Tuscaloosa. I mean, why not, man? It's Look, as long as there's hope, which we have now with Kiffin and obviously we have with Freeze, why not get excited and enjoy it, man? I mean, come on. What are we here to do? Good. That's good stuff. So uh, looking into next week, I mean, <laughs> there's a um, a tropical storm. And I've got an idiot friend, by the way, Ben, that's getting married his wedding begins at five o'clock on Saturday. Wow. This, oh, his he will be saying his vows when Ole Miss is on its opening possession against Alabama. What an idiot. But anyway, um, love him to death. He just, you know, doesn't think things through. I, I think I know who it, it, that is. We, that's our mutual friend. OK, I know exactly what you're talking about. Our old buddy Craig. Yes, Craig yeah, is no, getting married. No, uh, he's, he's actually my connection to you. Uh, when I went back to school in 14, 15, he, we had a finance class together. That's how I know him. Yeah, he's uh, in his defense, though, they planned it when Mississippi State was supposed to be off and Ole Miss was playing Vanderbilt. So they if they had to do it in the fall, they picked the right weekend to have a Mississippi wedding. And yet um, it's now Ole Miss, Alabama and Mississippi State, Kentucky. Yeah, I think Dr. John said it best. He's in the right place at the wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, aside from the tropical storm that's potentially going right up the state of Mississippi this coming weekend, um, Ole Miss is not prepared to compete with Alabama. So, I mean, what do you want to see then out of this team on Saturday? Because expecting them to win, I think, is – and I don't think anybody actually expects them to win. But So what do you want to see? What would be considered from – from this perspective, a successful weekend. Kiffin's going to tell you if you don't win, it doesn't matter. But from our perspective, what what are you looking for? I, I think specifically all I'm looking for is the offense to keep going and score 28 points or more and keep what we've got, gone on. So what we've seen the last couple weeks, I want to see that against Alabama's defense. I mean, I, I kind of think Alabama wins like 63-31 or 63-28, something like that. There's no chance Ole Miss can stop Najee Harris or Waddle, or Devontae Smith, and then you look at the way Mac Jones threw the football last week. I mean, 440 yards passing against Dan. I don't expect whatsoever. I just want to see the offense score points. You know, I don't know if that means get 400 yards, whatever. I want to see that continue. And I also want to note on the gambling front, Borky, these old Miss over-unders this year. I mean, we um, one of my biggest picks last week was the over 61.5 in Ole Miss, Kentucky. You know, we saw the, the, the 51-35 against Florida. Vegas is going to have a tough time setting these numbers high enough in these Ole Miss games because, uh, man, the, the tempo Ole Miss is playing at, there's so many fast possessions, and both teams are scoring so quickly. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep betting Ole Miss overs until Vegas adjusts enough. Have you seen what, – what is the total for this weekend? Do you know? I, I'm about to check it as we speak. Uh, I'm gonna look. I'm looking it up. I haven't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and guess. Eight. I'm gonna guess as I'm looking at it. I'm gonna guess it's 70, 
four, and uh, I'm, I'm looking it up as we speak. But I think it's going to be – I always do a guest the line segment that's a lot of fun uh, every every week. Uh, I'm scrolling through it. Uh, it's Wow, I hit it on the number. It's 74. Nice. I, I swear I didn't look at it. I mean, I'm, I'm very trans- <laughs> I'm very transparent. Like I always say, if it's a line I've seen on Twitter, I just say, hey, I've seen it on Twitter. It, it opened at 78 and a half, and now it's 74. Wow. wow. I literally just that, – that's a – that's, that that I mean I told you I'm hot lately, man. I had a big I had a six and zero gambling weekend too. Shit, yeah. good stuff. So <laughs> it opened at seventy eight. My goodness. Um, and maybe the tropical storm factors into that because it's apparently supposed to go right up through Mississippi and be still be up in North Mississippi on Saturday morning. But uh, Kellen Mond was able to produce at least a little bit, more than a little bit. He was okay against Alabama on Saturday. Turned the football over, but. Um, it's not like he had a bad day, and I think what we've seen right now is Matt Corral is a better quarterback objectively than Kellen Mond, and I think we'll uh, miss us better wide receivers objectively than Texas A&M. So if he was able to put up numbers, hey, who's to say Matt Corral cannot do the same thing? No, I think that's totally fair. And like, look, the thing with Bama, I mean, they're always going to be so dominant under Saban, but. Back before the spread offense, you know, nobody could move the ball against them when everybody was playing conventional with how tough their front seven was. But, you know, as the spread offense is taking over college football, you can score points against Alabama now. You know, for a long time, I mean, you can ask the LSU Tigers. They didn't score on them for like a decade. But now that, you you know, you run the up-tempo of the spread, you can get some matchups in the secondary you like. And, you know, I think Ole Miss can score points, like I said. I'm, I'm going to stand by it. I'm going to say 60 63-31 Bama is, is my guess. And I wouldn't even be mad about that. We know Ole Miss can't stop them. We just need to see Corral continue to, to move forward. And the other thing, too, and I hate to even bring this up and knock on wood, so far doing pretty good on the injury bug front. The, this season, because the lack of depth on the lines, uh, it could you know, we really need to keep not, you know, don't, don't need injuries to hit this team hard as the season goes on because uh, that could be a real problem the second half of the year if it does. Yeah, they're not doing a whole lot of rotating on the offensive line. And, and I, I said this yesterday on the show, and I hate making takes like this because I can't back it up with like a number. You know, I can say, for example, you may not agree with this one, that I think that the Saints would could have done a lot worse if they somehow find a way to get Sam Darnold to replace Drew Brees. Because I, I can see production. You can see production. Uh, and he's got the worst weapons and personnel around him in the NFL, and he would be cheap. So at least, even though that's kind of outlandish, I can back it up. I can't back up what I'm about to say, but I think that you saw it in the second half, especially against Kentucky, with the limited rotating they do on the offensive line and the lack of personnel they have on the defensive line. I think they were the better conditioned team. That's why you saw a couple of stops in a row on defense that really kept them in the game. And that's why you saw an offensive line that doesn't rotate. They didn't at all last week, barely did it at all this past weekend, still able to produce at their level. I think they're extremely well conditioned right now, but I can't back that up with anything other than that's what it looks like to me. Well, I've got I've got a little story that backs it up a little bit. Uh, Just from my North Louisiana radio days. Gosh, I can't believe I'm forgetting the kid. There's a kid on Ole Miss's team that's from Menden, and I'm forgetting his name because he's a backup. Uh, He's DB. But he uh, so I know his mom. And right after Lane Kiffin got hired and Wilson Love, who is real, become a real well-known strength coach for all this, I, I love his Twitter and, uh, you know, the pro mindset stuff. I like the outlook. But literally the first two weeks of Kiffin taking over, I, I talked to this guy, player's mom, and he said that completely night and day the conditioning stuff from Matt Luke to Lane Kiffin, how much harder they're training. 
And supposedly, I mean, the, the, the Menden kid was throwing up a bunch the first week and just like the team was, you know, when they started out, it was really, really rough. But I think that there's been a vast improvement in the strength and conditioning program with Wilson Love and Lane Kiffin. And I think maybe, you know, I don't know how much that story validates what you're saying, but I do think that that's a huge emphasis now. Yeah, and every of course everybody you know loves the new strength coach. You hear it anytime there's a change, right? The new strength guy's way better than the old guy, but in this case, it's hard not to believe that. Yeah, that's that's how I feel as well. And you know, you got to kind of the up tempo style Ole Miss is going at too. You almost got to train your players a little a little differently when you're going this fast. And you know, kind of similarities. You know, you look at Jeff Levy did at Central Florida. I mean, they averaged 50 points a game the last couple of years. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of that frenetic tempo. Uh, and also, I got to say this, too. I love this Ole Miss staff. I mean, you look at the whole staff. I think, uh, you know, I don't see how you could ask for too much more. I mean, Kiffin has so many relationships in college football. You know, I, I love what he's done putting that together. I know the recruiting. I think the recruiting is going to pick up as people get more and more excited about the on-field brand of football we're seeing, you know, bringing back the wide receiver culture and that. And, you know, I know Ole Miss has kind of lost out on a few recruiting battles early, but I, I feel good about that going forward, too. Yeah, the class is setting up uh, pretty nicely. They're being so much more deliberate with their recruiting. I, I've been talking about this on, on this podcast especially and also on the radio in the afternoons that um, they're not offering kids just to offer them. They're not filling a class with 25 guys just because they can. It's It's far more pragmatic and deliberate, and they don't really care where they come from. I mean, last week, they got a four-star. He's listed as an athlete, but it sounds like he's going to come in and play defensive back from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and also a high-level junior college defensive tackle from Mississippi. So they're getting guys from everywhere, and it, it the, the class is setting up to be a top-20 class if they continue on this trajectory right now. Considering COVID and everything they've dealt with and no visits and all that, I think you would take a top-20 class running right now and then you go full steam ahead where you can actually host kids on campus next year and beyond. Well, and you look at, like, if you're a recruit, though, you see, if you're, like, you know, even if you don't know anything about Ole Miss as a school, you know, you're a random recruit, you see a school that's playing an exciting, up-tempo brand of football, and then especially if you're on the defensive side, you can go and get on the field almost immediately right now because the depth issues we talked about. So, you know, you got a chance to go play on an SEC team and, you know, even – you know, get playing time pretty quick. And if you're on the offensive side, I mean, who would, if you're a skill position guy, who wouldn't want to come play in this offense? So, you know, I think, you know, a product on the field that's exciting and uh, Kiffin being such a good offensive mind, I think Ole Miss has got something to sell right now. Is there um, anything else that happened in the SEC this weekend that stood out to you, by the way, as we transition away from Ole Miss? Uh, yeah, to- no, 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 no problem. Uh, a few things. I mean, I don't think there's much to – obviously, I cover LSU very close down here. I mean, I thought that was a really strong bounce-back effort against Vandy. I know Vandy's not that good, but, you know, they all, it's an old coach's cliche saying, your biggest improvement's from week one to week two. And, you know, obviously, that state-LSU game, I mean, Bo, Bo Pelini's caught so much heat down here already, Borky, from not making adjustments in that game. And he's catching even more this week after what Arkansas and Barry Odom did to Mississippi State's offense with – you know, Costello throwing for under 300 yards, three picks at Arkansas, you know, the upset Mississippi State. And I think that's what we need to talk about that it showed me uh, is what Sam Pittman's done so far at Arkansas. I mean, they were beating Georgia 10 to 5. They were leading Georgia week one at halftime. And then they go to start and win. And uh, the biggest thing is I think Barry Odom's a hell of a defensive coordinator. You know, he was a good defensive coordinator at Missouri. You know, kind of it fell off when he got the head job. And then they also have Kendall Browles. And so, you know, Arkansas – 
this is the best. I mean, granted, they're one in twenty-four in their last twenty-five SEC games, so there's nowhere to go but up. But it looks like the co- the new coaching staff looks very competent. Yeah, Barry Odom had to have watched that LSU film from the week before and thought Bo Pelini was out of his mind. Yeah, I think so too. Well, Pelini, that was a weird game in Baton Rouge because Derek Stingley missing it with an under, with an illness from the night before. You know, the LSU didn't have time to change their game plan without their All-American first-team corner against that leech spread offense. And the other thing was just the lack of adjustments in-game by Pelini. I mean, people were losing their minds down here. They were so upset about it. Uh, but LSU bounced back strong this week. The Mike Leach stay experience, you know, th- th- this is the Mike Leach experience. He always is known from winning one or two games he's not supposed to win, and then he'll just lose as a huge favorite. You know, he's done that at Texas Tech and Washington State. And so I guess this kind of falls – uh, right in line with that. The one thing about Mississippi State, though, in the air raid, man, his his receiving core is pretty weak right now. You know, I mean, they only had 41 catches coming back. I know they had a good game, against, obviously, against LSU with over 600 yards. Against, I felt like LSU had a JV out there. They lost so many guys. Uh, after the, They only had eight returning starters, and then they had four people opt out. But, you know, I think Leach could do very well at Mississippi State, but, man, he's going to have to get way more talent at the skill positions. You know, Kyler Hill is a great running back, and they're using him well, but they – they definitely need some more help at the wide receiver position to really run that offense. Yeah, it didn't help that he got hurt in that uh, Arkansas game either. But, I mean, it, you can't do the hop on the bandwagon video and then lose to Arkansas. I just you, you got to either keep that in the holster for later on in the season or just not do it at all. Because after one game doing the hop on the bandwagon, and they even had like a website to sign up on the Mississippi State bandwagon, and then you lose as a 17-point favorite at home to Arkansas the next game. Not the best look. No, but uh, definitely definitely entertaining from some other <laughs> fan bases' perspectives. I can, I can, uh, I can certainly tell you that. Uh, and uh, a couple more things before I let you go. You've been oh, great good. with your time, especially uh, how busy that you're that you've been over the last 24 hours or so, and that you'll continue to be, considering uh, how uh, you've gone viral with uh, celebrating Ole Miss beating Kentucky. I got a text from a friend uh, who's a, a Clemson fan, even though he didn't go to Clemson. He went to a uh, small college in South Carolina that was like, oh, Ole Miss is so stupid for celebrating a win over Kentucky. Like, get get over yourself, man. Nobody wants to hear from you right now. You lucked into Dabo. Everybody thought it was a bad hire, and you almost fired him anyway a couple years into his tenure. Just just let everybody else have fun, and yeah. you go watch them beat Duke or whatever. No, I want to back that up as well, because I, there were some funny comments when Barstool and Prez picked it up just saying, you know, like, how lame is that, getting that excited beat? Kentucky, damn right I'm fired up. People <laughs> had been Ole Miss fans the last four years. We've had no hope, and that NCAA cloud loomed over the Rebels since 2013 all the way till like, 18 or 19. It was, like, six or seven years. It never ended. And it was, like, a black cloud over the program. And finally, to get out of it and get Kiffin an exciting brand of football, if people can't get excited about that, that's their damn problem. And uh, that's how I feel about it. And one thing about sports, too, being a fan, like I see it down here with these LSU fans, too. Look, you know, if they don't win nine or ten games, it's a disappointment. I want to see Ole Miss play exciting football, be 500, win some rivalry games. Man, awesome. You know, I'm all about that, and I'm going to get excited about that. I don't think there's any shame. You know, just because we're not – the Rebel fans aren't from some spoiled fan base that plays in the joke ACC and, you know, wins every year, like – 
hell yeah, we deserve to get excited when you know with what we've dealt with the last few years. I can't believe people don't understand that. Yeah, and this is coming from a Clemson fan who they storm their field after every win, no matter who it is. If they beat Furman, the fans go on the field after the game. Every single game they storm the field. Yeah, I also just don't understand in general. Like, I mean, I'm a fiery guy though. That's I'm a high energy guy. I mean, we're supposed to enjoy being alive on Earth, and I think anything we've learned in 2020 is we shouldn't take that for granted. And so anytime people crap on other people being excited and joyous about life, I mean, that's just a sorry way to live, you know? Like, why are you going to have that kind of a negative outlook when you see other people being happy? I just I don't get it. Stupid. I don't get it either. But uh, can't let you go without talking Saints. You're down there in Baton Rouge. Uh, you guys get to cover them every day. I felt like yesterday was an important win, not just because they were one and two, but how they did it. I mean, you had that weird deal where you had – a player test positive for COVID, and so everybody had to get up and go get tested until about 1 a.m. on uh, Saturday morning, or, well, I guess Sunday morning, completely blowing up their pregame routine. No Michael Thomas, no Marcus Davenport, no Janoris Jenkins, no Marshawn Lattimore, no Andrews Pete. I mean, injuries everywhere. And then you get into this huge hole early. You, you, you fight back, and you really dominate Detroit for the rest of the game. I know it's not a good Lions team, but it felt to me like that was a very – get right game breeze looked accurate for the first time this year timing was good with his wide receivers defense played better as the game went along I felt like that game was really important and uh, kind of a get right game and I'm more confident about them now than I have been all season long man I think this is a way bigger win than the public's gonna see because the regular public's gonna say hey oh they wanted to get to one and two Detroit team but when you look and all the stuff going against him. You mentioned the COVID thing till 1 a.m. Sunday morning. No Mike Thomas, no Marshawn Lattimore, no Janoris Jenkins. You're without your top two corners against Matt Stafford in that passing offense. No Jared Cook, no Andrews Pete, no Marcus Davenport. You got like nine starters out in week four. And the and they got and then the way that game started with the Lions jumping out 14 nothing, you know, running off four straight touchdowns to get up 28-14. Look, I thought it was very very impressive. Uh, you know, their backs were against the wall. They were facing a one and three start without all those guys. I thought it showed a ton of character and resilience. And then also one thing too going forward, you know, it was good to see the Saints commit to. I know they ran the ball extremely well first half, not as well in the second half. But I think it's kind of important with where Breeze is at this point. You know, I think the run pass balance, you know, you, you, the Saints have invested so much in that offensive line. I think they need to run the ball a lot to protect Breeze and uh, give him a little more help. And I, I think that going forward, you know, maybe they, the run pass balance uh, a little better than they, they were throwing the ball over two to one uh, the first couple games. And I think they need to, you know, focus on that balance. And uh, the Chargers come into town on uh, Sunday night. I guess there's still not going to be any fans for that one, right? They've asked for it, but it doesn't sound like they're going to get it. Latoya, so they call her down here. This is something funny to mention on this podcast. So Mayor Latoya Cantrell in New Orleans is now called down here. Everybody calls her Latoya the Destroyer because she has destroyed all the business shut everything down. Like, you know, New Orleans is completely run through tourism. There's no Fortune 500 companies in New Orleans. It's all off hotels and restaurants and bars and tourism. And she's just shut everything down. And uh, I know a lot of people are really, really frustrated. I know I'm, I'm not trying to go political now, but we see it in the Superdome. No, it, when you look at all these empty stadiums around the country, to me, there's no place that's felt it more than the Superdome the first couple weeks. You know, I've kind of gotten a little used to it and stuff. But, man, when you see that Sunday night, you know, that game last week where the, you know, I really felt like if it had been a sold-out Super Bowl, the Superdome, the Saints would have won that game. I thought it was that big of a difference with Rodgers being able to audible at the line of scrimmage and everything that happened and uh you know i hope that we can get some fans in there soon 
because uh, right now, New Orleans, not just the Saints, New Orleans as a city is hurting extremely bad right now with what's going on. And so uh, I really hope that uh, they can turn this around. That's Ben Mintz. Ben, I appreciate your time, man. I know things are going crazy with your new job and uh, the late night show and all that stuff. And so I appreciate you carving out some time for uh, for us today. I'm sure oh, you've gotten a ton of these already. Oh, well, look, I am a diehard. As, these, as that video shows, look, I am a diehard rebel and always will be. I spent – I was in Oxford from 01 to 08 for the Eli era, and then I came back for the Chad Kelly freeze era. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very diehard. I always will be, even being down here in LSU country. And uh, please follow me on Twitter at BenMets531. Uh, at GameTime1045 is our show, 6 to 8. We're on Facebook Live as well on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. And, uh, man, I hope, I hope anytime you want to have me back, I love coming on and talking. Appreciate man. you. Uh, I appreciate you, too. Keep plugging along, by the way. Ben has spent his 2020 getting right. Uh, do you mind talking about yeah, this? Yeah, I'll talk all about it, man. It's like a re- – it's crazy. So what happened was uh, I actually moved back to – so I got let go. I, was, I did four years and three months. I was drive time sports radio in Shreveport and Bossier in North Louisiana. And did – yeah, started it from nothing – Built it into, you know, I wouldn't say we were like a superpower or anything, but I definitely built something that was the number one drive time show in North Louisiana. And I got let go right as COVID hit for a station format change. And, it, and the, the GM called me in and said, this has nothing to do with you. Your show's great. You make money. The rest of the station's not doing anything. And uh, so I get let go. And I had a moment in mid-March where I was like, well, if I'm not going to do anything for a few months, Louisiana COVID was breaking out bad. I'm like, I'm going back to Oxford. It's like Oxford's kind of my safe haven in life. Uh, whenever I've been in trouble, I always just go to Oxford. It's like a bubble. You know, they always call it the bubble, the velvet ditch, all that stuff. It's like a safe zone where you feel like you're not part of the world. And I went back to Oxford, and the first month in April, I, I'm a big poker guy, and I was playing a lot of online poker re-blew up during COVID because there was no casinos. And so I literally was just playing poker for a living again for a few months, and I kind of gained a little late drinking in April, and I was like, you know what? You know, I don't need to do this during this time. And I actually just like was like, I'm not going to drink for like I tried to I decided I was going to quit drinking alcohol for three months and just eat healthy to lose weight because I was overweight. And, you know, a big part of it was COVID. The obese people were more at risk. And I was like, man, I'll be damned if I'm going to be more at risk because I'm too lazy to take care of myself. And, man, I started like April 27th and I started eating real healthy in early May. And, man, I just stuck with it completely. And I'm down about 45 pounds now since then. And I'm, I'm jogging you know, three to three to five miles, three, three, four days a week and lifting weights and uh, eating healthy. But the craziest part is six weeks into the no drinking thing. I just realized I was like, man, this is how I want to feel just being alive. I feel so much better, you know, not fighting hangovers and my work performance is better. And, you know, I'm better at poker. And I just it's I don't know. I just realized I was like, it was kind of like a big eye opening epiphany. I'm 37 years old. Like, this is just how I want to live my life. And so I'm about at the six month mark on the no alcohol. And when I got down to Baton Rouge, I had to lay it out huge. Cause obviously we all know what the South Louisiana drinking culture here is. I mean, LSU is like the, you know, the biggest alcohol fan base there is. And so I was super firm when I got down here, we do six to eight happy hour shows at restaurants and bars all the time. I'm like, look, I want to meet every single fan or listener. Please come talk to me. Just don't buy me a beer. Like, I, I you know, I had to lay it out super firm and uh, man, people have been super supportive down here. I got to say it hadn't been as difficult as I thought it would be. And, you know, I'm kind of excited. I actually also got the Lasix PRK surgery done uh, on a radio sponsorship with Williamson Eye Center. And Blake Williamson actually went to Ole Miss with me back in the day. Uh, I got that done. So now I've got clear vision. 
getting in good shape, uh, you know, no alcohol. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I love it. It's like I'm reborn. <laughs> Everything else is going to shit in 2020, but not you, man. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, man, it's been something, and I'm excited to see where it goes, man. I'm going to stick with it and, uh, you know, loving working for ESPN Baton Rouge. And y'all keep y'all's eyes on the SEC Network today because I think this video is about to be popping off. That's so awesome. Ben, uh, again, man, thank you for your time. Love the energy. Uh, glad to see Ole Miss win. And then uh, hit the over. Ben's saying hit the over on Ole Miss Alabama. And uh, there's some – by the way, I forgot to tell you. So I played the last interview we did uh, on our radio show. Uh, a couple of guys had the day off, and so I, I needed a lot of time because I'm not very good at filling segments on my own. And I played our interview, and Ben, multiple people took your futures. We had one guy text in and say, I had never done a future in my life. After I listened to that interview, I went to the casino and took multiple of his futures. So I don't know if that's good or bad. but no, it's, uh, it's good because right now the baseball playoffs are going on. I had the Tampa Bay Rays 9-1 to one to win the AL and I was big on the Padres over. I have the Padres 18 to one to win the NL. They've got big pitching injuries. You know, they they survived that Cardinal series. Hopefully, they can get Lamar Clevenger back in some form for this Dodger series because they're going to need them. Uh, but I was big on the White Sox who made the playoffs. I remember pretty much everything I gave out. I think I mentioned the Reds on that segment. So uh, those 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 futures age really well. And that, I call, I was very happy with how they performed. Uh, follow him on Twitter, Ben Mintz five three one. Correct, Ben Mintz yep. with a Z. 5-3-1, he uh, tweets out his gambling picks, and 6-0 uh, last week, so a really good week so far for you. Really glad uh, you gave me the time this morning, man, and we'll talk again soon. Same, and at Game Time 1045 as well on Twitter, and thank you again for your time, Mr. Borky. I look forward to coming back on soon, and uh, we're going to get you on ESPN Baton Rouge when Ole Miss is down here playing LSU sometime soon. I look forward to that, too. Yeah, the, uh, the real rivalry slot, the uh, last game of the year. <laughs> yeah, I just hope Ole Miss that can dodge the injuries. Like I said, I'm worried about I'm worried if people start going down at the line of scrimmage that, that things can go south. That that feels like the kryptonite if anything's going to happen bad. But we're going to enjoy the Rebel victory today. And thank you again for having me on the podcast. And that was Ben Mintz again, ESPN 104.5 in Baton Rouge. Just a, a great dude. Hope you enjoyed that. He's uh, He's got all kinds of energy, man, and that's infectious. And uh, sports radio needs more of that, too. So um, all the best to Ben. He will be on the show more moving forward, I promise. I, uh, I really enjoy him. So uh, look forward to that here in the future. But for now, I'm going to hang it up with you. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. Don't forget, though, to like and subscribe to the show. Leave a rating and a review. Go by LBs and see Greg. Of course, tell him that we sent you. And I will talk to you again on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.